The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. We just we had our mindset to go play in Kansas City, and, and uh, it, 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 I, it is it is tough because they they have to formulate the plans for coin tosses, and they got to formulate the plans for neutral side games, and we just keep screwing it up for everybody. And I hate that for, for people that have to endure all those logistical issues, and then uh, we just keep screwing it up. So I'm sorry. Yeah, that little smile at the end. <laughs> Very sorry about that. Uninvited guests. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Joe Burrow. Better get those refunds, Joe he said. right after the game. <laughs> yeah. Right after the game to Tracy Wolfson. Better send those refunds. Yeah. And and see, that, that the Bills should be pissed at the league because that was a completely unnecessary, gratuitous item of bulletin board material that the league gave an already pissed off Bengals team. The Bengals were already pissed off because – they had been completely ignored in everything that happened at 345 Park Avenue in the aftermath of the cancellation of the Bills-Bengals game from Week 17 following the cardiac arrest on the field of DeMar Hamlin. The Bengals had been not, not just overlooked. They'd been affirmatively screwed. There was that weird, stupid-ass coin flip if the Ravens had beaten the Bengals in Week 18 to complete the sweep, even though the Bengals win the division by virtue of better winning percentage we're going to flip a coin to decide who gets the home game between the three seed and the six seed, even though we're still going to say the Bengals are the three seed, which makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, that was going to happen. The Bengals beat the Ravens, so it never came to that in the regular season finale. And then with all the obsession over the coin toss, not the coin toss, it was coin toss for that. It was neutral site for a potential Chiefs Bills AFC championship. There was never any conversation. Well, there was conversation. Troy Vincent, the executive VP of football operations, admitted this late last week. But there was never a serious push to deal with the potential inequity of a Bills-Bengals divisional round game landing in Buffalo when it would have been in Cincinnati if they had finished that game from three weeks ago tonight. 
So the Bengals have already been upset, and then you throw on top of it, they sold tickets and bragged about it. I know they had to sell the tickets to the neutral site conference championship game, but they bragged about it on Friday. They made a big deal about it on Friday, and that just gets the Bengals even more lathered up, Chris, to go out there and and stick it not just to the Bills, but to everyone. Yeah, yeah. The Bengals like this. They like it. They're chippy. They're chippy before this. I mean, we saw that last year. They got some guys that they just they don't care. And like, like we kind of said when this was all getting figured out, we were like, I don't know. Joe Burrow, the Bengals, they're going to be like, hey, screw you. We'll play in the parking lot. We'll see who wins that one. You know, they got a little of that attitude. Burrow's a bring-it-on guy. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Joe Mixon are bring-it-on guys. They got a lot of them on defense, too. They're just like, come on, bring it on. We love the fight. That's what's awesome about the Bengals. And Joe Burrow, I don't know, I think he's become maybe the best interview in football right now. Just the, the things he says after the game, the way he acknowledges it, yeah, yeah. That's two of the best in the game going at it, as he's talking about him and Mahomes, and two of the best teams to go at it, too. Yeah, better get those refunds. I mean, he's just, come on. Who delivers better than Joe Burrow with what he says right now? Yeah, they got something about them. It's, it's, a, it's a belief in a magic that we really haven't seen other than Mahomes and the Chiefs, you know, as of late. We know the Bills, they're close, but they don't quite have those playmakers. We'll get into that here in a minute that the Bengals have. They don't have the personalities in the playmakers, the Bengals. The Bengals have a little bit of that showmanship. Oh, the big lights are on? We love it. Let's do it. And uh, I, I think that pops out in big ways, and that's why they're not going to blink one, uh, one iota next week when they're in Kansas City for that matchup. Does that even make sense? And, and I'm still astounded by yeah, – yeah, it did. Okay. I'm astounded by the fact that we saw it last year, and I think collectively the attitude was – this is a fluke. It's a one-year thing, right? This yeah. isn't here to stay. Right. They're not here to stay. It's kind of cute. It's kind of fun. It's like the 85 Bears captured everyone's imagination, and then we moved on with our regularly scheduled programming. No, the Bengals are here to stay, and we played right into their hands. Remember back in August, I'm saying, I worry about the Bills. There's too much pressure on the Bills. Why are the Bills the one that everybody thinks is going to win the Super Bowl? Why are the Bills the one? They didn't even get they didn't get to the conference championship last year, and they're the ones walking around with the target on their backs. What the hell? I mean, it played. I've said it. We can find the tape. Yeah, you did. This plays out well for the Bengals because the Bengals are like, why is nobody talking about us? We just went to the freaking Super Bowl and almost won it. Yeah. So – you, you throw that edge, you throw that attitude, and, and Bur- I mean, Burrow, when it's time to go, you got, as I said, as I said last Sunday night, some quarterbacks step up in the playoffs and some don't. Burrow does, and it's palpable, it's real. He, he achieves a higher level of everything, everything. The ball is more accurate, his decisions are more or more precise, everything. He's just a, I mean, he's already great in the regular season, but he becomes better. He morphs into a better player when the season's on the line. That's special. That's rare. And that means the Bengals are going to be in it that's every right. year that he's in the NFL. That's right. And they got the talent. And, you know, again, hey, Burrow, Chase, Mixon, playmakers, defensive side, Trey Hendrickson, I mean, the pass rush, the linebackers are good. The secondary, everybody's good, right? And then, I mean, really, what was the star of the show was was 
by far. The thing that the reason that I couldn't pick the Bengals to win the game. I mean, I know I I said to you, Mike, when we talked about the game last week, the Bengals are better. I said on the show last week, I think they're the most complete team in the AFC, but the offensive line was an issue. You know, they gave us nothing last week in that Ravens game to think that they were going to be able to block Buffalo. That was the shocking thing, and we saw it like, you know, I know you were probably in an airport on an airplane, but when you were watching your phone, you saw it right away, right, Mike? Like it was one of those where it was like the first drive. Okay, wait, ooh, he's got time to throw. Uh-oh. Oh, all right, well, let's see them running up the middle for Joe Mixon. He probably won't go anywhere, just like last week. Whoa, okay, whoa, that was easy for eight yards. Whoa, that was easy again for eight yards. It was right away to where you went, okay, wait, since he's got something here up front, these guys are answering the bell a little bit. And it was a machine. It was a takeover. It was a takeover. It was literally one team where you went, whoa, this team's sitting on all cylinders. The other team is reeling. And I don't know if they're going to ever be able to stop them here. And, you know, um, fortunately, they finally did to give us a little theatrics. But uh, it was from the get-go. And I think that was pretty probably apparent to you as well. Oh, when it was 14 nothing, I'm thinking – they got, How are the Bills ever right? going to erase this deficit and then ultimately outscore them? Yeah. Because that's the thing. Oh, we're down 14. We need 14 points. Well, yeah, you also need to keep them from getting another 14 points along the way. And in the end, they never got to 14, and the Bengals got another 13 and 27-10, the final score. It, it, but you're right. 60% of the offensive line gone. And, and this is a testament to the Bengals for defying everyone's expectations. That's right. And it plays into their hands again. Exactly. Because uh, I'm sure that Zach Taylor got them all cranked up over, no one thinks you guys can come in and get it done. And Jackson Carmen came in and he got it done. He did. At left tackle. Yeah. First start ever. And, and so, you know, that's the thing. Backup sometimes step up. And when you have a guy like Joe Burrow who has ultimate confidence in himself, that stuff is contagious. It when is. you are around people who have a knack, for rising to the occasion, no matter the circumstances, you feel compelled to tap into something within yourself to do the same thing. That is a very real human emotion that transcends sport, it transcends circumstance, it transcends industry, and it's one of the reasons why I don't like analytics, because it ignores the very human reality that these football players are not machines. They're not robots. They're not people who you wind up and they do whatever, you know, the circumstance. Do. No, there are moments where the humanity takes over. Yeah. And when you've got a Joe Burrow who elevates himself and he's the leader of your team, that's why Jackson Carmen's one of the reasons why Jackson Carmen comes in and holds it down at left tackle. Yeah. Because yeah. he sees what Joe Burrow's doing. Right. And he taps into the best part, best version of himself. Right. And, and exceeds whatever he previously thought he could have done. Agreed. I'm it, convinced that that's real. I, I've lived that. You. I've been around that. Yeah. I've been inspired by people like that. I, definitely. I mean, listen, we've seen Tom Brady do that. We've seen Peyton Manning do that to team. I mean, that, that's, yeah. There's, there's, that's their greatness. You know, I don't want to let that guy down, right? And he's great, and I want to be great with him. So let me do it, right? I mean, that's that's where it 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 really like kind of comes together that way. And then he also knows, like, hey, Joe's he'll take care of me too. He he he'll 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 get the ball out of his hand. He'll let me get going. I mean, so they know everything kind of favors them that way. The way that's yeah, that's why they want to get in the foxhole with these guys. 
because they're just like, damn, it's, he'll lead us out of here some way. I mean, again, the numbers aren't like eye-popping. That's what's always amazing about Burrow. But it's the the moment, and then when it's a gotta-have-it moment or, hey, wait, here's the chance to stick the dagger in him, he just usually never fails in that department. Oh, it's it's a big moment. Man, if they score a touchdown here, they're going to put him in a bind. Boom, they score the touchdown. That's why it's the, he goes to the jugular and he gets it most times. That's where he's special, and that's where the Bengals are special. They really are. They got a toughness about them. You know, Joe, of course, is so efficient. And ultimately, Mike, we saw what we've talked about a little bit all year. You know, the the Bills are missing some some pieces on that team that just don't put them in the class of the superstars that the Bengals and the Chiefs and the 49ers and the Cowboys and even the Philadelphia Eagles have. And I think we kind of saw that yesterday, that it just came back to one guy, and one guy can't get it done when you're playing the elite teams in football. Yeah, I I, I agree with you a thousand percent, and the Bengals are going to continue to be Special and and I'm telling you right now I don't yeah. care I yeah. don't care it's three days before we make our picks don't I'm do it let me hear this it weekend you're taking the Bengals I'm not I am not I am not picking against the Bengals ever again for as long as I live put it on your bulletin board Andy Reid put Joe it Burrow. on there Mahomes Joe Burrow put it on Go Kelsey ahead. do it do it do it get I'm, Florio's I'm ass right do now it. he's taking him a week out I'd How rather disrespectful. <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd rather be wrong. I'd rather be wrong by picking the Bengals and having them let me down because then I can crush them next Monday for being frauds. <laughs> if they do, I am not. I'm not doing You're it again. I've seen it. I mean, to go into Buffalo, to go into Buffalo and beat them by 17 it points should have been more than a that. team that was on an eight-game winning streak. Right? Are, are you kidding me? Yeah. On a day when Demar Hamlin is back, it's snowing. It's Buffalo Day. Yeah. I mean, when I turned on my phone, when, once I, you know, once I realized I wasn't going to make bad memories from yesterday, but once I decided to uh, to take a take a look at the phone and watch the, and I saw the snow, like, uh-oh, oh boy, here we go. I'm yeah. going to be right. Let's Bills go, win. Buffalo. No way the Bengals are winning this one. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I feel, I feel bad for the Bills. Yeah. I feel bad for their fans. Um, I do too. But uh, the, the, the Bengals have something going on. They got yeah. something going on, with, and it all starts with Joe Burrow. And Chris, you know what? Well, this is something to delve into in the future. They got to give him whatever he wants financially. They got to give him, and I'm going to write this after the show. He will be. I I think he should be. Whether or not Mike Brown does it, and he's the one owner I think who would do it, just because the league doesn't want him to do it. Just give Joe Burrow a percentage of the salary cap. Just do that. We're not. We don't care what the dollars are. We have this money. We have set dollars every year. Joe Burrow is getting a piece of it. And if it goes up through the roof, that's fine. It's worth it. It's, he's worth 20% of the salary cap, whatever the salary cap is. He's happy, we're happy, and we still have 80 cents on every dollar left over to put a team around him. We can live with that. Nobody wants to do that in the NFL. The NFL doesn't want them to do it. It's part of the collusion that happens. The collusion meetings, as the union calls them. It happens. Mike Brown may give them all a middle finger, especially after the way they got screwed. In the aftermath of Week 17, yeah, right. maybe Mike Brown says, we're just going to do this because it makes sense because it guarantees we're going to have our guy because we have to have this guy. Yeah. Because as long as we have this guy, we are going to be in these positions. Here's Zach Taylor, coach of the Bengals, gushing even more about his quarterback, Joe Burrow. He's the greatest, you know, and, and – uh... He does a great job leading this team, managing the situations. The bigger the moment gets, uh, the more calmer he gets, and the team feeds off of that. And uh, 
it's hard to run the ball in four minutes when you know that he could just throw it and get it probably, you know, but it, it's wise to let the clock run. But you uh, did a great job today. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he, he is right now. I mean, we always talk about Mahomes and Allen, Mahomes and Allen, Mahomes and Allen. Yeah. Burrow. Yeah. Burrow's in there. He's in that mix. I, he may be up there now. We may have to we may have to clear a spot for three at yeah. the top of the league right now. Right. I, I hear you. It's, it's, hey, I know that was a conversation last week. I mean, he's been nipping at their heels for sure. Yeah, he might have officially, you know, entered their stratosphere now. I, I mean, we, we knew he was clutch. I knew he's a machine. You know, that, that's for sure. I mean, his ability, again, that's where they got Buffalo in trouble yesterday. You know, one, the O-line was playing better. Two, Buffalo, they want to play zone. Joe Burrow's the best zone quarterback in football. He's the best. He just moves around and, oh, wait, there's pressure. Boom. Oh, there's pressure. Boom. Boom. Oh, wait, there's no pressure. Ah, boom. I mean, he's just, he's amazing that way. Oh, it's man-to-man? Okay, good luck, Buffalo. You think you could cover T. Higgins or Jamar Chase with your corners? (laughs) Negative Ghost Rider. So they had Buffalo screwed. And then when Buffalo was like, oh, wait, they can run the ball? It was like, oh, no, you're double screwed. You got no chance to win the game, right? And again, I mean, hey, we were this close a few times. It was 14 nothing. Cincinnati was driving down the field again where you were going, uh-oh. And then he finally got sacked on the third down where they punted the ball. And then, I mean, Buffalo went through the toughest 15-play drive ever to get a touchdown where you were like, wow, they got a, all right, we got a game. But, whoa, that was hard work. Cincinnati went right back down the field. And Jamar Chase, you know, arguably caught a touchdown pass. That was a tough call. I think I would have probably overturned it as well. He probably lost control. But it was easy for them to go down the field again. But I'm with you, Mike. He's, he's in their stratosphere. Hey. He definitely is. I'm glad you mentioned that because I agree with you. I don't think that was a catch. But this is the problem with boasting about the 50,000 tickets sold to the neutral site game and putting out this word that maybe this is something they'd like to do in the future, college atmosphere, half the stadium in one team's colors, the other half in the other team's colors. It gets people even more cynical about whether or not the NFL wants certain teams to win a game. And so when calls like that go against the – the Bengals and for the Bills when the Bills are the final ingredient in this Atlanta neutral site conference championship fantasy that the league has, people are going to say, no, nah, huh? Uh-huh. They've gotten the word, or at least they sense. Sometimes you don't have to tell them. They sense what the NFL wants. And some of these close calls are going in favor of the team that helps solidify that neutral site game. That's it. That, that whole thing on Friday They never should have had that announcement. They never should have thumped their chest. They never should have tried to kind of inject that into the atmosphere that they're so happy about this neutral site conference championship idea. Wait until it's it's final and then and then boast about it and brag about it and make it a big deal. I just don't think anything good comes from that. All right. Um, So the bills. Yeah. Now. This is one of those days we really do need a bigger show. The, The bills are. We don't, like need, we don't need a lot of time to talk Giants-Eagles, so let's hit, it, let's hit on these ones good here. Well, that's true. Oh, no. Well, you know, I really wanted to lead with Giants-Eagles. I really did. Um, but And I picked the freaking Giants. And I saw a final score, 38-7, because that's how I went to sleep. I went to sleep. I was, I was done. Yeah. I, was just like, they're not. I texted my son, if this, if this becomes a 10-point or less game, 
call me and wake me up, right. and I'll turn it back on and watch yeah. it. It's like they, I knew it wasn't going to happen. But when I saw 38-7, that's the final score yeah, of the 2017 night, night. NFC right. Championship game. Eagles over Vikings. It's like, oh, boy. Uh, but anyway, What were we going to say with Buffalo? Um, I didn't mean to cut you Buffalo. off. Go ahead. Buffalo. Yeah. That's fine. Buffalo. Th- th- this is – look – This is a team that keeps hanging around the door, but they can't figure out how to even begin to kick it in. They haven't, they've only been to the conference championship once under Josh Allen. They've had two straight losses in the divisional round. You point out the flaws all the time on that team. Offensively, where's the help around Stephon Diggs when you've got Josh Allen? Where are the playmakers? Why are you not integrating Naheem Hines into your offense more? What happened with Gabe Davis this year? There just isn't a star that provides Josh Allen with a better option. And and Josh Allen, is he's starting to slip a little bit in that he is trying too much to do it all himself. Exactly. Making sure. a lot of mistakes. Right. A lot of turnovers. And one of the reasons why he wasn't even second-team All-Pro this year, he was the preseason, wire-to-wire, all-off-season, and deep into the regular season MVP favorite. And he throws a beautiful ball. It's great to look at, but when the, just like last week against the Dolphins, it looks great coming out, but when a guy from the other team catches it, not so great. Yeah, listen, they, but, you know, again, yeah, it, it was not his best year in that, you know, department. We know that. He's been great in that department as far as lack of turnovers the last few years. Definitely lost that touch, the Midas touch of going, wait, this is aggressive and this is crazy. I mean, we're still talking about what you said. We're talking about definitely one of the three best quarterbacks in football. There's too much on his plate, all right? I mean, that's the biggest thing. We talk about this a lot. He's, he is the running game, as you saw yesterday. When they couldn't run, what do they do? Oh, we got to get Josh to run the ball. He runs it. You know, again, if it's not Diggs, it's like I don't know who it is. It, it's their their talent is not comparable to Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. That's 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 not even in the same stratosphere as Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, best offensive line in football, Dallas Goddard to go along with it. I mean, Chiefs, one of the best offensive lines in football, George Kittle, Pacheco, all the receivers, he's not in that department. I'm not even going to the defensive side of the ball yet. There's no Chris Jones or Frank Clark. There's no Nick Bosa or Fred Warner or Hufunga. Right? There's no, I don't know, I don't have enough fingers to name all the studs on the Eagles. You know, there's no Trey Hendrickson and some of the guys on the Bengals. That's, that, that's where I don't think people are quite, like, realizing that. And a lot has been on this one guy, and that's where I will defend him in that department. It wasn't great yesterday, but damn, it, how was it going to be great? The Bengals were getting there with three people. He was he was getting sacked in two seconds with a three man rush, right? And then you see replays and you go, nobody's open. So that was tough sledding there. They need more playmakers on both sides of the ball if they want to be in the Super Bowl. They're not in the class of the teams that are left in that department, at least in my opinion, Mike. But before the season started. People that I know and trust around the league were expressing to me concern that the Bills organization, coaching right. staff, front office, feeling the heat, feeling the pressure, feeling the expectations. And why not? We just talked about how the Bengals were overlooked. The Bengals who had gotten to the Super Bowl and almost won it. Forget about them. We're going to put all the hype on the Bills. We're going to put all the pressure on the Bills. We're going to put all the focus on the Bills. 
And I, I think back to 2014, year after the Broncos went to the Super Bowl with John Fox, they lost in the divisional round, and John Elway fired him. Now, I, I, Sean McDermott this year, with all the adversities they dealt with, from snowstorms to the DeMar Hamlin situation, he's held that team together when it easily could have crumbled, and they won game after game. They hadn't lost since the, the game against the Vikings yeah. in overtime. Right. They'd won every game since then up until yesterday, but it, it just it wasn't it wasn't dominant. Crisp, we knew that. It right. To be. Exactly. It's not dominant. Right. And and these issues and all all I say is this. What 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 any of us believers say does not matter. All that matters is what Terry and Kim Pagula decide to do. And it would be very difficult to sell making any major changes to the top of the organization after everything the team has gone through this year. There's a strong bond there. But this is the kind of thing where if you remove all those other factors, it's the kind of thing where guys get fired. This is the kind of thing where an owner decides, you know what, I've got one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL. I need a coach who's an offensive guy, not a defensive guy. I can't have this thing where if Josh Allen has a great year, our offensive coordinator becomes a head coach somewhere else, and then I have to, we have to find a new one. I want my offensive coach to be my head coach, to be joined at the hip with Josh Allen. I mean, the defense was horrible yesterday, and that's Sean McDermott's special. Everybody's blaming Leslie Frazier, but Sean McDermott's a defensive guy. So they got two defensive minds. And, Chris, that's why I'm a firm believer in having an offensive head coach because you have the head coach and the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach. You got three in there. And I think back to the 2017 Eagles and all of the, the creativity that you had when it was Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, yeah. and John Filippo. Right. Right? And, and on all that, it's like it becomes this, this laboratory for ideas. And, and, and it's, so, again, I'm not – all I know is there's a danger in getting close – but not close enough. I hear you. When you've got Josh Allen, when you've got a team where people expect you to be better than you right. are, there's just a danger there. I hear you. And I don't know. Are there going to be scapegoats? Will there be half measures? I don't know. I, somebody was saying yesterday, hey, maybe they'll fire Leslie Frazier. Somebody who's kind of plugged in. Um, I, I just, it's, this is the kind of thing that leaves a mark for a team that had those expectations. And it's something that bears watching. And I think if you remove these other factors that Sean McDermott led the team through, I, I think that, that this is the kind of situation where ownership would be thinking, do we need someone who can take us farther than the current staff can? And it's a fair – and I'm sorry. I know it upsets people, but that's, that it's goes with the territory. At some point, when you fall into that, it's what I say about the Vikings, good enough is just good enough. Well, is it just good enough or do you want something more? That's what the Bills need to ask themselves moving forward because yeah. you do it another year, you, you only have yourself to blame. If you keep doing this over and over again – and you lose in the divisional round, and you lose in the divisional round, a great regular season, lose in the divisional round. I, it's so. Yeah, I hear if you. no big changes are made, Chris, a lot of people are going to be on the hot seat in 2023 in Buffalo. Probably. I mean, you're right. I understand. That's the, the lay of the land and, and everything and every business now. I get it. I hope they don't do anything. I mean, they're close. They got a lot of good things. It's, you know, like the saying, I, they, they got the steak and, and potatoes. They need, just need some sizzle. That's why they got Von Miller. But even when they were getting Von Miller, right, I think we were both sitting here going, I don't know if that's still enough sizzle. There, there's other teams that got, like, extra sizzle to go around here. And, and that's where I just – that's a department. That's why, I, hey, Odell Beckham Jr., when that whole conversation was going on, I, we were both, I think, big – you know, proponents of, of them trying to be aggressive in that. We saw this a little bit, you know. Gabe Davis is solid, but he doesn't separate. 
He's not a real good number two. I really think in a lot of great offensive minds world, they'd go, Gabe Davis is a great number three. We need to have somebody else as a number two, right? And then they, we, we hit on it. I mean, again, I mean, the, the Bengals got playmakers all over the field. DJ Reader, one of the best D tackles in the game. I mean, Sam Hubbard, opposite of Trey Hendrickson, he's really probably a better pass rusher than anybody the, the, the Bills got. I mean, who on the Bills yesterday did we think could even make a play on the defense? Who? You know, Matt Milano, I know, was an all-pro and a good player, right? I don't think he was – he wasn't all-pro for me, but he was really good. They got a lot of good. They need some guys like a Nick Bosa or a Kittle or, you know, a, a, a great pass rusher, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat. I mean, like we've talked about, the other teams have some guys that can go, wait, forget the play and how you drew it up. I can just beat my guy and dominate this way. And that's, to me, where the Bills just don't have enough guys in that department. And I'd love to see them spend some money on those kind of guys this offseason. We are way, way, way Good talk, over. though. So we got fun. We got a little more to say about about one specific Bills player. We're going to do that later in the program. From now, we're going to take a break. Patrick Mahomes, his legacy grew. I tweeted this on Saturday night, and I believe it 100%. Otherwise, I wouldn't have tweeted it. If you didn't already love Patrick Mahomes, if you didn't love him after what you saw him do on Saturday, you never, ever will. We'll discuss Chiefs over Jaguars when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. Ah. Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Second and goal. And Mahomes steps up, throws to the back. Touchdown! When you're a great one, you throw jump passes off your right foot in the first half, then you get hurt, and you come back and you throw a jump pass off your left foot in the second half. Patrick Mahomes battling through what reportedly was diagnosed as a high ankle sprain. 
a scary hit early in the game, and this is one of the things that happened. Bodies get twisted together. Guys are big. They're strong. They're heavy. The forces get applied. Look like ankle, look like knee. You were saying the other night, sometimes that high ankle sprain hurts up into the knee. It's right. so far up into the yeah. into the structure of the ankle. Right. And we, we I was I was concerned for Patrick Mahomes because there was no way he was coming out of the game, yeah. even if there was a fracture. He was gonna keep going no matter what. And they eventually had to tell him you're going in to get it looked at or you're not going back in the game, period. So he went into the locker room. Chad Henney did a great job in place of Patrick Mahomes, but he was back for the second half. It was Willis Reed-type stuff, the way that he came back and played. Not that it was spectacular, but Patrick Mahomes at at 60%, if he was even at 60%, is better than most quarterbacks. And just another reason to understand and appreciate why this guy is so damn special. That's damn right. I mean, you sure you want to pick Joe Burrow and the Bengals against them right now? You sure you want to do that? You want me to give you one more chance to come back on that and rethink that after because, I, you know, as no, the segment no, goes on, no, you're going to no. go, damn, you're right. I am picking against this guy. This is a little scary. I mean, what one, I, I mean, he, magical, competitor. I, I really, I mean, he's special from that standpoint. And and I think the point is, too, is like guys like this sometimes just don't get the credit they deserve for how much they love the game and they're a gym rat because we just go, oh, it's so easy, and he just makes it happen. And that's something Jason Garrett said, kind of said, right, when we were sitting in the trailer. Guys like that don't get that credit sometimes. But he's got, it every, he's got everything. He's got everything you want, let alone the physical talent. And that's what was on display there, a love of the game, a competitor that's is is you know up there as any of the greats we've seen in the history of the sport. That's a tough injury, and man, just to battle through that and make some of the plays and throws he did, uh, just a phenomenal moment. It really was, and just another you know pelt on the horse or whatever you want to say, just to show the overall greatness of this guy. I mean, first off, we saw it here early on in the game. I mean, Jacksonville's game plan was good, right, Mike? We were sitting there going, whoa, they're covered. But, hey, here comes the jump pass scissor kick throw, right, which, I mean, I'd never seen before, but he did that. And then, hey, hey, nobody open, no big deal. I'll just, you know, on the way down on the third down, throw the ball. And then, of course, things change, right, Mike? And we saw the lack of mobility, and he had to play the game a different way, but he sucked it up and made it happen about as good as you can do it. Here's Andy Reid, coach of the Chiefs, and Mahomes from after the game on the Mahomes injury and his effort to get back into the game. Well, it was hard getting him out of the game, first of all. Uh, he wanted to fight, and so um, we got him out, went to the x-ray, got, got an x-ray, looked at, taped. Uh, he came back, and he said he felt good enough to be protected, you know, where, where he's not going to... Uh, get hurt. Uh, that's obviously the primary thing. Um, and he felt like his mobility was good enough where he could do that. So um, we did a few little things with him on the sideline to see where he was at, put him in, and it was a short leash. I obviously didn't want to go back and see it. Uh, I didn't want to go get the x-rays or whatever it was. I wanted just to continue to play. Um, I told him I would do it at halftime. Um, but uh, Coach, I mean, in the best interest of me, uh, just made he made me go back there and, and get that x-ray before he put me back in the game and for a while I thought I could get a, get 
and played through it. And then he said, I'm not putting you back in, so you might as well go get the x-ray. And then if it's, if it's negative or whatever, I'll put you back in. So I ran back there, got the x-ray, and was able to play, uh, finish the game. You got to make sure he's okay, physically okay, where he can protect himself. And if, if he can't, then he can't play. I mean, you have to go with the next guy. But he's a tough nut, and he's very <laughs> – when I tell you he's competitive, he's very, very competitive. I mean, I'm not coming out of a playoff game unless they take me out. And so uh, I'm just going to play. I, I love this, this sport too much. I love this game. Uh, I love playing with my teammates and being able to go out there and, and enjoy it together. And, we're, and we, we're, we prepare all year to be in the playoffs and to play in these games. And um, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to get back in the game. And, I mean, it's, it's something that uh, I just love competing in this sport. And uh, pain is pain. And you don't have to deal with it either way. We were debating this in real time in the bus at the stadium because you were of the mindset he's staying in no matter what. I'm like, you know, he's a sitting duck out there. If he can't protect himself, they have to get him off the field. At some point, you have to protect the player from himself. And they eventually realized we can't allow him to stay out there like this. He was too hobbled. He was too clearly in pain. And... And, it, and look, it worked. They brought in Chad Henney. All he did was author the longest touchdown drive in Chiefs postseason history. 98-yard methodical drive to get a touchdown. And, Chris, I just think the psychology, when the Chiefs lose Mahomes, yep. everybody else stepped up. Right. Everybody else on the Chiefs knew, offensive and defense, we got to step up. We got to get it done. And I almost think the Jaguars, the vibe was a little bit, uh, yeah, well, we like got we this got now. Them. Right, right. And they right. didn't, yeah, and they didn't really lock in the way they needed to. And the Chiefs, the Chiefs caught them. Yeah, that, that, I think that's a fair way to say it. That, that, that was a championship drive. That was a, that was championship caliber DNA that we saw there from the Chiefs. Where you went there, that's a team that's special understands, wait, next guy up. Hey, wait, we got to rise to the occasion here because we're not our total 100% selves here. That's where I think they're different than years past. You know, we've kind of hit on that. They're not. It's not as reliant on Mahomes to always make magic like we saw there. I mean, you know, their offense is good. Their O-line's good. They can, ha- they can lean on a running game for the, really the first time in a long time in Kansas City. Where they're, Oh, wait, he's hurt? Okay, here, Pacheco, Pacheco. They didn't do that enough in the game. But, but that's where, Mike, and I know you and I, when we had dinner together Friday night, we talked about this a little bit. Just that one thing that jumped out to me about being at practice on Thursday, and this goes for a lot of the, the really great teams in the sport. There is, first off, the practice was phenomenal. And they were sharp and flying around. But there's a belief and a camaraderie in the team that just kind of oozes, you know, off of the practice field. You can feel it, like I was telling you, let alone the energy. Right, Mike? I was trying to tell you they were out of practice. They were working hard as hell, but they had smiles on their face. And, I mean, it was go, go, go. But they were loving it. And it was like a team you're going, man, they're hungry. They're ready to go. And, yeah, they got thrown a major curveball there but showed that, you know, they got something special in, in their, flowing in their, their, their body there a little bit. And that was, that was big-time performance by them battling back and, and staying, staying ahead and winning the game. Only won that game by seven points, 27-20. So the Jaguars got the cover on a late field goal. And the Jaguars, to their credit, did not wilt not under the pressure. They didn't give up. They didn't go away. And they did have an opening when Patrick Mahomes was injured. But Mahomes came back, and he was still – good enough he said after the game 
He'll be good to go next week. I have no doubt that he'll play. The question is, how effective will he be? And I think back to Super Bowl 55 against the Buccaneers. When you take away just enough of that special mobility and elusiveness that he has, it it takes away something yeah. from his game, and it yeah. puts him in a position where he can get sacked, he can get caught. And uh, he had that toe two years ago, and now right. he's got the ankle. What they just need to do is engineer their game plan for him to get rid of the ball quickly. He's got to play like Joe Burrow. Sure. Get rid of the ball quickly. Right. And don't try to run around and do things because you can't try to run around and do things. I, I'm glad you're going there because I think there's, there's, there's some things here that I think are good to, to unpack with this. One, hey, the Bengals are pretty good. You know, we didn't see Josh Allen run around yesterday, right? They're pretty good at it. We didn't see Mahomes really run around last year in the AFC Championship game or even this year. So, you know, this is where I get into, like, we've hit a lot this year, right, Mike, with Mahomes. He's become more of a machine in the pocket. And maybe this is, you know, God's plan, whoever, football God's plan of like, hey, okay, you did, you were better in the pocket. You were patient. You were Joe Burrow-like a little this year and weren't always looking for the 50-yard bomb and checking it down and doing things of that nature, right? That's is where, you know, hopefully that comes back into his favor here. And, you know, he's going to have to play within the pocket. You're right. I don't think he's going to be nearly as magical moving around. But if he can just move around and still throw the ball in some awkward spots with his feet, you know, cockeyed or whatever else, he'd still be able to, you know, like we saw on social media, one-legged Mahomes is probably still in the top 10 quarterback rankings for Chris Sims, too. That, that's how damn good he is. So uh, we'll see what he can do. But we know they're a good team, and they, they pose a little more problems for you as a complete offense maybe than in years past that hopefully can help out that lack of mobility from Mahomes. I think some teams out there would take no-legged Mahomes over the <laughs> Maybe. quarterbacks they currently have. Won't name names. We'll take a break. When we return, the Eagles get back to who they had been for most of the year by thumping. Hey, I got to go. I got to go. See you guys. Good show the today. G-man. I'll see you tomorrow. Ready to go, guys. We'll be right see back. <laughs> To have him out there is like, I know this is high praise, but to have him out there is like having, uh, nah, I shouldn't even go there, but like he's having like Michael Jordan out there. Like he's your leader. He's your leader. He's your guy. He's your, like, like that's, hopefully that's the biggest respect I can pay to him uh, compared, <laughs> comparing to his ability to being on the field uh, to, a, to a Michael Jordan type. Like this guy leads, he brings this calmness to the, to the entire team. He plays great football. Um, he's tough as as as, as they come. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, there ain't nobody has played any better football than him this year. Immediately after that press conference, Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie and GM Howie Roseman pulled Nick Sirianni aside and asked him politely to stop with the Michael Jordan comparisons until after we signed Jalen Hurts to his second contract. Please, <laughs> please be more measured in your praise until we've, we've put the final zero on the check for Jalen Hurts. But, but he's right, and it's similar to what we were talking about earlier with Joe Burrow, Chris, the idea that certain players elevate those around them. And when I spoke to Jalen Hurts earlier this year after they beat the Steelers, he actually said that. And he said, I don't like to speak about myself this way, but I feel like this team is taking on my personality, my beliefs, my competitiveness, my just everything, everything good about Jalen Hurts. The Eagles were becoming that. And now that he's healthy and he clearly is, they 
they took care of business against a Giants team that that kind of fooled us by going to Minnesota and beating the Vikings. And maybe the Vikings really are a lot yeah. worse than 13-4 and four would Whoa. suggest. Yeah. Maybe that's the problem. Well, I, It made us yeah. think the Giants were actually good. I, I mean, again, we, we knew who the three best teams were in the NFC all year. We tried to explain that to everybody. We did. We, we did a lot. Uh, I know there was some thought there, the Vikings and the Magic and all of that, but I, I don't think we, you know, as in you and I, ever wavered in that the Eagles, the Niners, and the Cowboys were in a little bit of a different class, and then we'll see what team can jump in there. And Minnesota winning games in clutch fashion and all that kind of confused things. The Giants just played exactly the right way that made sense for their football team and executed perfectly, but were in no way, shape, or form in the same class as the Eagles on the talent level. You know, yeah, Hurts, first off, I agree with you. Yeah, his, his leadership's probably the, the number one thing I think he brings to the table. It does. It permeates through the football team. And then, you know, the football team itself is just, it's insane. I mean, it's insane. What it, I, it was domination from the get-go. It was run up the middle for five, run up the middle for 10, throw a pass for 10, run up the middle for 10, throw another pass for 15. I mean, there was, there was nothing. You, the Giants at no point did you really think could slow them down. It was complete and utter domination. And a team like the Giants just don't have the horses on the defensive side of the ball that can match up. You know, they got to hope that the Eagles are having an off day and maybe they can make a mistake that way. But it was playoff football. Hurts was feeling good. The team was flying high. And they reminded us that, yeah, this is why we, did, we thought they were the best team in football all year long and they looked pretty damn special on Saturday night. Even with the snap off the face mask, Jalen Hurts calmly gets the ball under control, runs it in for a touchdown. That's just what he does. Now, now. A slightly bigger test than the last time they hosted the NFC Championship game. That was five years ago, and the end result was 38-7, just like Saturday night. When I woke up, I said that earlier, when I woke up and saw that final score, I thought, oh, boy, that uh, 38-7. There it is again. I don't think it's going to be 38-7. I don't think anybody's scoring 38 when the 49ers and the Eagles get together. But but the best two teams in the conference, I mean, really, we, we have the last four best four right now because for the Bengals to go in and beat the Buffalo Bills the way they did they're clearly the better clearly you could argue that maybe the Cowboys would have had a better shot at the 49ers if that game was at home but still but uh, 49ers Eagles Bengals Chiefs clearly the best four right this is exactly the way it's supposed to go you love a good upset you love a little chaos but at the end of the day I think you like nothing more than to have the four best teams as the last four teams and that's what we have that, 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 that's right. And then, you know, the NFC, we have these, like, just absolute complete team football type of rosters, right? And then the AFC, you know, again, teams are really good, no disrespect. But, yeah, things are a little a little oriented around the quarterback more than, than the two NFC teams. So that, that, to me, is another fascinating aspect of this. But I'm with you there, Mike. I think, you know, when you really just look at it, right, and we – Again, I, I know I picked the Bills. Yeah, I didn't think the Bengals' offensive line would look like that. And I thought maybe, you know, with the DeMar Hamlin and Josh Allen's ability just to make plays that they would get it done in a close game you know, uh, yesterday. But uh, clearly, we're not in the class of the Bengals. And, yeah, I think, you know, with the Bengals' offensive line looking like that, 
then we go back and do, yeah, there's less questions about them across the roster. We know the Chiefs are damn good across the roster. And damn, those two teams in the NFC, holy crap, Bola, are they good. And uh, that, that is going to be an unbelievable game to watch because of the offense and defensive lines on both sides, let alone the element you bring up a lot. Uh, the 49ers got a bunch of crazy guys who don't hesitate. Eagles are kind of in that department too, and that's where you know I think we're going to see a lot of hard-hitting, awesome football on Sunday. That was a point I forgot to make earlier. That Jimmy Ward tackle of Cavante Turpin yeah. to end the game, that's classic roll out of bed, kick your ass, run through a wall. Right. That's why they're so good. Form tackle. How often are they practicing form tackling during a football season in today's NFL? Perfectly executed form tackle. Boom. Slam the door. That's what the 49ers do. Put you on the ground and keep going. And uh, it should be a fun week as we get ready for those two remaining games. We're going to take a break. One return. An item of unfinished business from Buffalo. Some questions about whether or not at some point in the next year or two, Stephon Diggs could be finished with the Bills. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Stephon Diggs joined the Buffalo Bills three years ago after he became unhappy with the Minnesota Vikings, tweeted his way out of town. He's always been a guy who, under the wrong circumstances, you'll see that competitive fire flash into something that can be counterproductive. When we say that with the full acknowledgement that we love Stephon Diggs, he is a great, engaging, funny, loose. We love seeing him at the Super Bowl. But you get him on those days where things aren't going well and the ball's not coming his way. Things line up for him to be a little pissy, Chris. And he was getting that way yesterday. And we mentioned that because after the game, Joe Biscaglia of The Athletic reported that Diggs, was, he cleared out of the locker room. He was gone before all of the coaches had even gotten down the tunnel. So, look, there he is gesturing to Josh Allen because the ball was thrown too low. That was in the second quarter. And then later in the game basically game on the line here fourth and six josh allen's got time throws the ball to gabe davis doesn't have a chance there's stefan diggs he wasn't happy because you watch him break to the inside he's open there he's got the opening but uh the throw wasn't made and then over on the sidelines stefan diggs again gesturing to josh allen letting him hear it showing his displeasure that's what we see from Stephon Diggs from time to time, Chris, and it just makes me wonder. Look, every time there's a receiver who is disgruntled with his current team and he tweets or talks or otherwise gets his way out of town like Antonio Brown did, and I don't want to compare Stephon Diggs to Antonio Brown because the, the, the only comparison is you leave a team because you're unhappy. The new team that gets you has to at least factor in the possibility that if we don't keep this guy happy, he's going to want to leave here too. Yeah, listen, it is it's it's part of the NFL. This is this is a dynamic that's a very real issue. Receivers are the most gifted athletes in the game. Uh, they think they can overcome anything. They're always open, even when they're not. I mean, gosh, if I had a dime for every time a receiver <laughs> came back to me and went, man, you missed me like twice on that series, and we watched the film next day, and I'm sitting next to the guy and going, that was the play you were telling me you're open? Like, were you trying to ruin my career or lose the game for us? You know, so emotions run high. He's an awesome football player. He's got belief in himself. You get the ball in my hand. I can make something happen and change this game. So it's in a lot of ways, it's par for the course. You know, he flirts with 
Sometimes maybe being a hair of a distraction, certainly, but I don't think he crosses the line there. Not even yesterday. That's okay. I didn't think that was crazy yesterday. He was frustrated. He definitely was. And then you add that frustration to go, he's going, damn, I want to be, you know, Jamar Chase is over there, you know, balling out and putting stats up on the board. So that adds to the fuel of the fire. And again, it's another one where, hey, teams look at Stephon Diggs and they go, wait, we take away Diggs. There's not a whole lot to worry about here. And they need to do a better job of getting the ball him, to him too. Like we see with the Eagles of the 49ers, where some reverses, some screens to the receiver, get them going that way. So uh, I understand his frustrations, but, man, it, they were outmatched yesterday. And that play there, you know, again, I'd like to show that one more time. It, it, it's hard in that moment where Josh Allen's looking back, if we can look at that. He's not really – he looks there at first. He doesn't like it. And then it becomes backyard football. And it's hard to kind of look at everything as you kind of go through it there. You know, again, I don't know. I'd like to see that full picture. It's hard to see as far as if something was. Can we? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anybody is inside there to help. Right. You know, again, that looks open, but there might be a safety just waiting there right outside the screen, too. I need to see a better look. But uh, this is you know something we see a lot from top end receivers. Two quick things to your point from earlier. Boy, the Bengals were putting that heat on Josh Allen without a three-man rush. Helmets. Right. That's what I mean. Wow. How many times uh, have we looked at it yesterday and go, well, he's under pressure, and I'm going, there's three guys, and he can't even, like, go through the reads. So that was disappointing, and that leads to the ball not going to the right guy or, or guys getting frustrated too. Here's the other point, too, and this is a longer conversation, but anytime you see those kinds of gestures – from a receiver toward a quarterback out in the open with cameras on capturing it. Some, some quarterbacks will uh, take that player aside and tell him what's what and tell him basically, if you pull that crap again, you'll never see the football. Yeah. You pull that crap again. You won't have to worry about asking to be traded. I'll make sure they get rid of you. I'm not dealing with that crap. I'm the leader of the team. Not you. I'm the quarterback. You're just the guy who gets the ball when I decide to throw it to you. So don't put that on me. I got a hard enough job without worrying about you. So we got to take a break. When we return, some coaching updates, including a guy officially becoming a candidate for a job that we talked about last week. Could it happen in Arizona for Brian Flores? We'll discuss that next year on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. 
is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. There are still five head coaching vacancies two weeks and a day after the regular season ended. Brian Flores reportedly will interview for the Cardinals coaching vacancy today. We talked about this last week. Even before Monty Ossonfort, a former Patriots executive, was hired to be the new Cardinals GM, there were signs pointing to the possibility of Flores coaching the Cardinals. Number one, he's the exact opposite of Cliff Kingsbury in coaching style, which is what teams tend to do. When one guy doesn't work, they find somebody personality-wise, scheme-wise, everything the exact opposite. And there is real benefit to the league, to the Cardinals, to the Dolphins, to everybody, to putting Brian Flores back in a head coaching job, given that landmark racial discrimination lawsuit he filed February 1 of last year. It's still pending on the question of whether or not it's going to go to the NFL's in-house arbitration process, i.e. secret rigged kangaroo court, or it's going to stay in open court. The, the Cardinals helped themselves and the league by giving Brian Flores the opportunity. And frankly, that shouldn't matter because – he very well might be the best person for the job. Yeah, that that's right. That's 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 to me the point. Like you said, all the other things. Yeah, it's convenient for the league and everything else. But either way, he he should be a head coach in the NFL. I mean, plain and simple. When we saw what he did with the Dolphins, he changed things around, right? I don't even think he got to really kind of get things the way he wanted to with the Miami Dolphins. And and you're right. He's a total total opposite of kind of what they had there where it seemed a little bit more fly by the seat of your pants, I can tell you none of that will be going down with Brian Flores. It'll be detailed throughout. And, again, I think the magic that Brian Flores can bring there, too, with you know the, the, the GM situation is they can get on the same page as far as building a team the right way. And there'll they'll, they'll be a, a true vision and detailed process on how to attack that. So uh, it would make a lot of sense. You know, they got some talented guys on defense. They need a few players up front, but he can play with that group there. And then I think he can get at least the offense going in the right direction as far as the way, the type of football he wants to play, which I think is going to be a little bit more balanced than not necessarily Kyler Murray in the shotgun every play throwing the ball. One of those cliches like pressures, pressure makes diamonds or some crap like that. I mean, this is a pressure cooker. They're going to turn Kyler Murray into a diamond or he's going to disintegrate. They, they, because they need this. They need somebody who will coach Kyler Murray aggressively, coach him hard, coach him into the best possible version of himself he can be. And if he can't take it, then you move on. You just move on. So uh, we saw that with Brian Flores and Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And I'm sure Flores learned a few things. Maybe he was a little too hard on Tua. I don't know. He gets a much more physically gifted talent in Kyler Murray once Kyler Murray's healthy if he becomes a Cardinals coach. But, Chris, there are a lot of reasons for this hire to be made, assuming the interview well, yeah, goes well. That's right. And, and here's, the other side of the, here's the other side of the coin, too. If you're Michael Bidwell and you give Brian Flores an interview and you don't hire him, you better hire somebody who is clearly better than Brian Flores or you're getting a separate ticket to the Brian Flores lawsuit party 
It's <laughs> like the Texans did last year. Yeah. Because remember what the Texans did? It right. was Flores, Jonathan Gannon, and Josh McCown as the three finalists. And then all of a sudden they go off the board for Lovey Smith. Why'd they go off the board for Lovey Smith? Well, because Flores was the best of the three they were considering. That would be the argument. Yeah. Flores was the best of the three they were considering, so we got to go find somebody else. They find Lovey Smith, and now they find themselves with a lawsuit directly against them, yeah. claiming they retaliated against Flores for the fact that he filed a lawsuit to advance his employment rights under federal law. Right. So it's you, you better be careful yeah. if you're going to dance with Flores, because if you're going to hire someone else, it better be Sean Payton. I mean, it better be somebody where you say, okay, I understand why they didn't hire Brian Flores. And really, at this point, the only one that would cause that reaction is Sean Payton. Yeah, well, you're right. You're right. I, but either way, I, I mean, to me, it looks real. Monty, Austin Ford, the new GM there, he was in New England. He knows what Brian Flores is made of. So I got to think there's real interest here. And not only the results Brian Flores had as a head coach, but a little bit of a prior knowledge and knowing the human being where it makes a lot of sense. And I certainly wouldn't be shocked with the GM, who it is, a New England guy, a New England head coach would make sense. They seem to work best when it's like that. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Brian Flores is the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Very quick break, then a very quick final segment. No Monday night preview, which is good. Because we don't have time for it. More PFT Live. What am I going to do? What do I do with myself? So I was talking earlier about working out. And uh, here's here's the email that I got. It's hilarious to watch you little skinny dudes talk about your workouts. I'm 70 and my workout bench is 300. That's 10 sets, 10 reps. And run five miles every day. You don't look like you could get 110 pounds up one time. Workout, LOL. Well, Chris, we do have the video proof from a few years ago where I had, right. what is it? The bar and two plates. It's right. one, is it 135, 45 135. plus 90, 135. I did it 20 times. I did it 20 times. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I, I don't know that I could do it now because I was probably 25 pounds heavier then. So I don't know what I could do right and, now, and but listen, I still do 50 push-ups every day. Yeah. What? You're in good shape. No, I, I think and you're I'm right. Older. Well, hey, you're old, but you're in good shape. I mean, I, I, you can move a little Macy, weight. Macy wasn't impressed. And I don't know what that guy's talking uh, about, skinny punks. I'm 6'5", like 238, 240, and I will mess him up. You're 70, and I will kick your ass. So uh, I don't give a well, damn how much you bench, all right? You're 70, and I'm 42. And I'm going to kick your butt, 70-year-old, all right? So I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> and, well, I, and here's what's funny, because my reaction to him was to take a page from John Lovitz in his cameo on Seinfeld when he'd say, good for you, Jack. My response was, good for you, Jack. And then I looked. The guy's name really is Jack. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so it worked out well. Have a great day. See, See you tomorrow. Enjoy. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.